Hello, I'm Scott Sash. And I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with several issues. Let's start with the Big Ten. At least they had the tournament. It's all over. Michigan won. But it's in New York, and I wonder why is there a problem of trying to attract more people and more tournaments to come to New York? Maybe the ACC? Well, everybody wants to be here. That's the point. They think the corporate money will follow. I was walking up 7th Avenue, and I passed the guy with the big, you know, the golden, the maze M, and then there was the Michigan State Spartan shirt, and it just felt so out of place. I remember, uh, here goes, you know, the old guy going again, but I remember when we had Georgetown and Syracuse and St. John's battling for the Big East at Madison Square Garden. That felt and still feels right. To see the Big Ten, the ACC, I mean, this is Tobacco Road. What are they doing on Broadway? But that's a totally different world and a totally different college sports business model. These schools do well getting fundraising from the business folks in their hometowns. If they do the Big Ten tournament in Chicago, uh, a lot of those schools are already getting a lot of money from those people. What they don't have necessarily is their rich alumni in New York who don't get to see the teams at all. They're not getting the inclusion from them, from their, their then alumni. Somebody at these schools is doing a terrible job if they can't get the, the, the rich folk, as you say, from New York to donate money to Michigan unless they come and play. Come play a regular season game or two at the Garden. Sure, and, and to be fair, the Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney has said this was not a great idea and, and might not continue in, in the future, but you understand, you understand the thought process, right? You move it up a well, week. The thought process by Rutgers was brought into the Big Ten because it was a New York TV market. That ain't working. Yeah, but do you, I mean, it's not working for Rutgers, but the TV money the Big Ten got, they got a 3X on their media contract. Everybody got a 3X on their media contract. Adding, having, <laughs> having a team in the New York area yeah. certainly helped in that regard. Yeah, but which big time coach said, listen, if you try to have a tournament like in Charlotte or wherever, it's not really built for media as New York? Exactly. Exactly. Well, for somebody you interviewed, it was probably Fog Allen. Yeah, thank you. And they, <laughs> and they had laces on the basketball back then, too. <laughs> Another topic, by the way, I got to tell you, last week, and I missed you guys last week, I was on vacation. And Evan I, was bar away? I, <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> wait, wait, you weren't here? Oh, you guys are the cards. <laughs> Went to Joker Merchant Stadium and in Lakeland, Florida. Thank saw you, spring everyone, training going, went where? for the Tigers. It was great. But it, yes, of course. And the how, did Fidrich, lost. how did Fidrich pitch? He, yes, he looked great, right, <laughs> right next to Ty Cobb. But, but what was cool about that, and I wish more umpires would do it. We were along the first baseline. The umpire was interacting with us, and and we're having fun, and he's having fun with us, and it made the game fun. And obviously, it was a spring training game, so you're not going to see that during major league season. But why? Couldn't we see that more? It would make the game more attractive. Whitaker, Trammell, LaFleur, and an active umpire. What a day for you. <laughs> I saw I saw Trammell, too. <laughs> I got a chance to act like a fan. Alan, how you doing? But, yeah, I mean, why can't? Why can't we have that in, during the regular season? I think it's a good question. I mean, I, I'm going to bring up cricket for the first time uh, ever, I think, on the Bloomberg Business of Sports <laughs> and, podcast. And now our audience is going to hear crickets. <laughs> go, you go ahead. Cricket, a game that. Took too long, had a lot of people saying it was too boring, it wasn't too interactive enough. Uh, a few years ago, launched a shorter version of the game. It's kind of 
half cricket, half rock concert. There's a lot of interaction uh, between fans and people on the field, uh, and it's totally changed the way that a lot of fans view cricket. Uh, and I do wonder if if baseball, not to say that they should have a three-inning game that includes uh, cheerleaders and, and a rock show, but uh, I do think there is a way that baseball can modify its sport to make it more fan-friendly uh, at a time when their their demographics are getting a little older and it's and it's becoming a, the, the third most popular sport in, 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 in the U.S. I always chuckle when we hear praise, lavish praise for, wow, he stayed 30 minutes after to sign autographs for everybody. I know it's hard. I get it. The job is hard. I do. I'm not trying to minimize. I understand it is a very difficult job, but that's part of your job. That's that's part of it. And some guys just don't want to do it. And that's a problem because cultivating new fans and keeping your existing fans happy and making it a memorable experience. That's part of your job, not just hitting and throwing and pitching. And you brought up a very good point because after the third inning, Miguel Cabrera, well, he was taken out of the game because you're not in spring training. So we want to see what the other guys are going to do. So he's walking along and the fans are like, hey, sign any signing autographs. Now, that was a, the third inning. You know, that's not after the end of the game, like you said, where you put in nine innings. But that's something that a lot of baseball players need to wrap their minds around. Hey, interact with the fans. Did you get an autograph? No, I didn't. I didn't want to go hog wild. I was I was the guy, though, along the fence clapping. It's like, go get them next time. We there lost to go. the Rays 5-2. So, anyway. Uh, let's talk about – I want to talk about golf for a second. Yes, Phil Mickelson, he uh, finally won. Uh, he uh, won through a playoff uh, over the weekend in the Mexico Championship. But Tiger is still a draw, still a big TV draw. I saw the odds in Vegas for his performance at the Masters, which every time seems to get, you know, they, they get narrower and narrower every time he makes a cut or, or even says he's going to be in a tournament. Uh, Tiger Woods for Vegas is like the bookmaker's best friend. People continue to bet this guy. Uh, he hasn't won a major tournament, obviously, in four or five years. He hasn't won a tournament period, one or two tournaments in the past six or seven years. They're, people continually have this hope that Tiger is going to come and make tournaments more exciting to make more people turn in to watch them uh, and maybe even make the money. I understand it. If Tiger's close, I want to see what he's going to do. I'm not that interested. I apologize to the PGA and every golf fan out there. Who are you going to tell me? Jason Day? Who, who else are you throwing <laughs> at me? The young guns. Come who, bring me, Dustin, bring me Johnson. Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Bubba. Bubba Watson. I'm, like, I'm more interested in his General League car than I am what he does on a golf course. There was a moment where it looked like they were having this youth movement and these guys were going to competing against each other all the time. And and yet Tiger steps into a tournament, does fairly well. The numbers go up. He is still a casual sports fan draw. It's he's, pretty incredible. He's the seventh favorite to win the Masters. Is, That's incredible. Is yeah. it? that's an indictment of the top six sure yeah Yeah. or just the the fact that so many square betters are just placing money on him that that the odds have to shift Uh, that's the latter i agree with you on that and and i wonder though is golf for lack of a better term is it too stuck up i mean you i mean some guy shouts you know in the hole as tiger is putting and you know he's whisked off the golf course uh, several tournaments back is it time now for fans to to maybe cheer like we do in basketball and baseball and football? We get a glimpse of it in Arizona on the 17th hole. You get a little glimpse of it where it's like the biggest event of the year and people are hooting and hollering. 
Seems like a good time to me. Seems like some millennials like Eben over here might grab his pals, a whole bunch of pals and a cooler and say, let's go to the golf thing. This is a fun day out. I've always said there should be one tournament a year where fans are allowed to say, yell, be as rowdy as they want at all times. Make it, And it should be the one down in Scottsdale. There should be that event. Uh, and I'm sure there are some golfers that wouldn't play in it. Others, I think, would understand that it's this thing that they have to be a part of, and they would. I think a lot of maybe the younger guys would enjoy it. But there should be one tournament where all the fan etiquette is thrown out the window. I think it would be rowdy, and it would be a we've great TV some, property. We've talked to some PGA officials, Eben, where they're trying to make it about more than just the golf these days. Show up and have celebrity chefs there. Food, drink, entertainment. For the person who doesn't want to follow a group for 18 holes, who doesn't just want to sit by your green and watch everything come through, wants to go have a nice day on the course, but is interested in far more than golf, wants a day out, wants to do something else, make it an affair, make it something else for entertainment purposes. And Barr, we've talked about it, uh, Evan and I, when live in-game sports betting hits, yeah, where you can sit on 18 and with every shot that's going on around the course, the, the algorithms are spinning and the odds are constantly updating chance to win the tournament. Back nine, best American finish. That is going to really drive interest in the game because you don't have to just look at the golf. You're there doing something else, and that's keeping your interest. See, I, outside of some fan running out on the course wearing a shirt that reads, I'm with Titleist, I would like to see the fans start yelling on the golf course and enjoy themselves. It's, I, I mean, yes, it's been for many years. It's, you know, I know the, the diehard golf fans will say, oh, shut up, bar. But yeah, it's something. This it would help the sport. At least I think so. Not just diehard golf fans, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> more oh. Novi Williams. They're clamoring for more Novi Williams. <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> by the way, uh, Kobe Bryant. He won the uh, Oscar. He had a short, and uh, he won it. Uh, it was his animated short. Uh, the animation is in pencil sketch, and uh, it was his tribute to basketball. Uh, the short itself was fine, I thought, but that's not where the controversy was. Cisco <laughs> Ebert and Barr. It, it was fine. I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> where the problem is coming in is uh, people took to Twitter saying, hey, wait a minute. Uh, we're talking about this big movement in Hollywood, and you give the award to a man who faced accusations himself several years ago. But does the work speak for, I mean, the work is the work. I, I, I don't know how you would separate, you're judging the work, right? Yeah. I, so I, I don't know how you would separate it, but I, but I can tell you the immediate sports fan basketball insider joke was, hey, it's good to see that uh, Kobe finally won his first Oscar without Shaq. <laughs> so that tells you the strained relationship between the two when they were on the court. You like that one, but you that was pretty it. good. Uh, I like right, from a sports Oscar perspective. I'm much more interested in Icarus, the the movie that won <laughs> the, the best documentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is a yeah. a story about a guy who who set out to to prove that doping is pretty easy in in cycling, and then stumbled upon. Uh, this r Russian head of the of the anti doping agency down in in Russia who blew the lid off the entire Russia doping scandal. The reason why there was no quote unquote Russian team at the Olympics this year. Uh, it's a fantastic story, uh, and I I would recommend watching that over uh, Dear Basketball.
Yeah, well, I like when he took on the really hard task, proving that it's pretty easy to dope in cycling. <laughs> he really took on a tough task there. Well, which brings me to another point: is is cycling done? Because there's been such a big scandal about this. Man, we're killing the, like every sport. I know. I what you said to watch? Yeah, the cycling organization is going to write me a nasty gram. But I'm just wondering. I mean, look at Lance Armstrong. We go. It goes on and separate on. the purity of sport from the entertainment, and more and more sport is moving whole hog to entertainment look at espn what's the e stand for there's a reason it's first yep. entertainment comes before the sports it's that's what it is people want to see others do super superhuman feats whether it's hit 600 foot home runs whether it's climb the pyrenees in some ungodly time that nobody should be able to do are we not entertained we watch because we enjoy it well that's the thing is you can here i go again you can you can take this drug and yes, it will enhance your performance, but it, it it's not like having a, a motorized bike on the course. You, you still, still have to, have to perform. Right. And it's the same way in baseball, football, basketball, you name any sport. I'm, I'm wondering, have we hit the time now where it's like, all right, guys, have at it. I'm amazed at what sports get caught in the doping conversation and what don't, right? Baseball fans made it clear they clearly care about what records were broken by somebody who was taking steroids or whatnot. Football fans don't care. You know, there, there's rarely been a, a football steroid scandal. And I know the three of us would sit here, we'd be lying if we said that, that we didn't think they were taking steroids, right? There are certain sports, and, and cycling is another one of these, like baseball, where it became a huge deal, and now all the fans care, and there is a, a huge inquest to rid out all the dopers. Uh, the truth is that if you don't care as much about or you let people do it or maybe you legalize it in a healthy way, there's a better way to approach doping than the way that baseball and cycling uh, The Mark Cuban approach, just let's get the doctors involved. Absolutely. Well, think, think about it. When Sammy's – here I go. Sammy Sosa. That's Mark four here McGuire, I goes. He's going. <laughs> Bye, Cracky. <laughs> when they were on the home run charge – and baseball needed a boost. Live look-ins every at-bat from McGuire and yeah. Sosa. I watched. Yeah. You watched. And, gee, I wonder if baseball knew, you know, that both of them were involved in, quote-unquote, doping. I don't know what they knew. I know what I know about me. And that there was one player during the time that when I, when they went to commercial and they'd say, do up in the next half inning, there's only one player I, I hung around for, sat through the commercial in the half inning. Bonds? Bonds. Right. I wanted to see this guy hit because you just didn't know what he was going to do. That's pretty powerful stuff. I remember seeing him knock two in the drink when he was at his home park in San Francisco, and it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. I didn't care if he was doing whatever. I shouldn't say it, but I, you know, I was just enamored by his performance. It's Hey, this is the business of sports. If if it hurt the bottom line, if people turned away in mass, if people didn't watch on TV, things would have been cleaned up pretty darn fast. Fact remains, the numbers are going up. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Eben Novi williams We're here each and every Monday and Friday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with some of the brightest minds in the sports business world. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.